Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. glad you're here today. Uh, today we're going to continue um, our sermon series on the Beatitudes and especially today we're going to be in verse number six. We're going to be dealing with this fourth Beatitude. And the scripture says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed for they will be filled. Have you heard the old saying that you are what you eat? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's some truth to that and Unfortunately, that's not good for most of us, being that this is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, right? Uh, but the, I believe there's a lot of truth to you are what you eat. As a matter of fact, nutritionists tell us this. They tell us that your appetite would determine your diet, your diet would determine your intake, and your intake would determine your health. Now let that kind of process, and I'm talking about in the physical realm, I'm talking about the food that we eat, and really we kind of are what we eat, or we kind of become that, if you will. Your appetite determines what is it you really desire, because whatever you desire your appetite is, that's how you're going to set your diet accordingly, okay? And then as you place your diet in front of you, you're going to start intaking that portion of food or that particular diet, and then it's, the outcome is actually going to be your health. We all know, for example, that too much caffeine is harmful, right? And we could go on and on and on with a list of things that are bad for us and a list of things that are good for us. But it, it's certainly true that there are certain foods that, that will raise your cholesterol. And I'm not going to go unpack all of that. I don't want to depress you too much here this morning. Uh, but my wife loves cheese. I mean, as we've been married almost 30 years. And I remember, I mean, everything she cooks or makes has some type of cheese on it because everything is better smothered in cheese, right? But you know what? She went to the doctor. Her cholesterol was really high. And the first thing he said, get off of the cheese and some of the dairy products. And, of course, that was devastating for her. But we know that there are certain foods that will raise your cholesterol. There are certain foods that will lead to heart disease. There are certain foods that, if we continue eating them, they'll lead to some type of premature death. And then, of course, we know that there are foods that are, that are good for us as well. We know a lot of times, as far as our diet is concerned, that we will place ourselves under the doctor's care or under the doctor's order. I think about Brad, just, um, what, a year, a little over a year ago. I uh, had some health problems, actually had a heart attack as a very young man, and, and changed his diet drastically. And you've seen Brad as of late. Uh, he has lost over, over 100 pounds. Give him a hand. Actually, Brad, come on up here. Actually, I want you to sprint. I want you to run up here. Just sprint right now. Look at here. Come on up here. This man has lost over 100 pounds. I think that's amazing, right? I mean, give him a hand. What, what amazing that is. I mean, he had some health problems. He realized his diet wasn't real well. He really wasn't being a good steward of the body. And so he really changed his diet. He started working out. He's running. He's running another 5K. We are running another 5K next Saturday. Thank you, Brad, for letting me embarrass you just for a moment. But I'm proud of you. Lost over 100 pounds. That's, that's amazing. 
But it all happens because of our appetite, which leads to our diet, which leads to our intake, which eventually leads to our, our health. I believe the point is this. We really are what we eat. We really are. And I don't think that applies just to the physical. I think it also applies to the spiritual. And I believe that's the point of what we see here that Jesus is trying to unpack for us in this, in this fourth beatitude. He said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed for they will be filled. I believe what Jesus is trying to draw our attention to in this beatitude is our spiritual appetite or our spiritual diet. You see, the principle applies to the spiritual realm. You are what you eat. Whatever it is we seek in life, we tend to find it, right? Whatever it is that we pursue in life, we tend to discover it and find it. But unfortunately, people are chasing after things that aren't of God. Whether it be sexual pleasure or or whether it be fame and fortune or money or popularity or whatever. Usually, whatever we pursue... For the most part, we obtain it. We, we get it if we pursue it long enough, oftentimes. But I think Jesus now is trying to draw our focus off the physical realm, off the things of the world, off the, even the foods that we eat. And he's trying to draw our attention to the spiritual realm. So Jesus is challenging us to look at our spiritual appetite, to discern what it is we're truly hungering and thirsting after. Because our hunger, listen determines our spiritual well-being and our spiritual health. That's what we're going to try to unpack today in this fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we need you even now. And God, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, that you would draw us to yourself. Father, I ask you now that you would just finger around in our hearts. And Father, I pray for conviction that it would rest on every single one of us. That you would expose to us as individuals what it is that we are truly hungering and thirsting for. And God, if there are for things where you are absent, I pray, God, you would convict us of that. And God, I pray that we would leave here today with a hunger and a thirst for the things of God with a hunger and a thirst for true righteousness. Father, we ask your blessings on our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's see what our survey was. Remember I had the survey up there? What was your favorite item? Let's get what the results are here, and hopefully you were able to log in. We had several that were. Nobody liked cranberry sauce. I cannot believe that. (laughs) Nobody, that was your favorite item on the table. Uh, We had six people, mashed potatoes, nine people, the turkey, eight people, the pumpkin pie, nobody, the cranberry. But you did eat cranberry sauce, right? I mean, no? How many of you guys just absolutely hate cranberry sauce? Raise your hand. Wow. I just pray, I pray you get saved today is what I pray. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just, just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. I love that stuff. Man, I just love it. I just love eating cranberry sauce. However, it wasn't my favorite. My favorite is the turkey. I absolutely love turkey. Are you a white meat guy or lady or a dark meat guy or lady? What are you? White meats? Raise your hand. Okay, that's me. I'm in that category. The dark meat? Raise your hand. 
Okay, it's kind of evenly divided there. I like a dry meat. And the dark meat's a little too moist and slimy for me, so I like a good dry meat. That's why I go for the white meat on the turkey. And All right, enough being said about that, right? So what we've discovered is that you guys are a bunch of turkeys. That's what we've discovered, right? We are what we eat. And so let's go a little further. Let's look at what Jesus was trying to unpack here in this beatitude. And I want to talk about three principles as in this simple sentence, in this simple verse, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. I want us to see that Jesus tells us that our hunger determines our spiritual health and our spiritual well-being. So in doing that, we're going to look about three different principles here this morning very quickly that I want you to try to grasp and get a hold of. Now, I encourage you to take notes On the back of your bulletin uh, that you have where you tore your connection card off, you can jot a few things down there. If you have a pen and pencil, you can put it in your tablets or whatever. But I want you to get a hold of this because sometimes I think there's confusion what it really means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. So we're going to try to unpack that a little bit and see exactly what we're going to be filled with. Because Jesus said when you hunger for this, you're going to be filled with it. Right? Well, what exactly are we going to be filled with? What exactly is righteousness? What does all of that mean? And that's what we're going to try to unpack today in this particular beatitude. The first thing I want you to look at is the possibility of righteousness. You see, if we're going to understand this fourth beatitude, then we've got to know what Jesus meant. Jesus, what do you mean by the term righteousness? I mean, I guess if I did a survey through the congregation, we would get a variety of responses on what that looks like. It's a mystery for many people. Whenever you think about pursuing righteousness, what does that look like? We think about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. What does that look like? Jesus, what exactly are you doing? You see, we know it's something. Listen, we, we know it has something to do with being right, and we know it has something to do with doing right, but what exactly is it all about? Well, I think the best way to really, whenever we get a word in the Scripture, whenever we get a phrase in Scripture that we have a hard time understanding, I think the very best commentary on the Bible uh, is, is the Bible itself. So let's look at a few other verses where righteousness is used in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Actually, I want you to look down in verse number 10, if you will. This is just a few verses later. and We get down to really, I think it's the eighth beatitude in Matthew chapter 5 in verse number 10. It says, those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed for the kingdom of heaven is there. So get this. Jesus said, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. He says in verse number 10 that uh, for those who are persecuted for righteousness, they're blessed for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So when you put those two beatitudes together, and I'm just trying to get an understanding of what righteousness is. That's what we're trying to do here, okay? So whenever we put verse 4 and verse 8 together, it could read something like this. We are to hunger and thirst after a kind of life that will cause some people to persecute us for our faith. Okay, so when you put both of those together, this hunger and thirsting after righteousness, we will be filled whenever we are live a righteous life, we will be persecuted. When you put both of those together, we're to hunger and thirst after a lifestyle of following Jesus that will ultimately cause some people to persecute us for doing that. Okay, does that make sense? Let's go a little further. Let's look on down in verse number 20. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 20. Jesus says this, 
For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now here Jesus is talking about the righteousness that must surpass the scribes and the Pharisees. So let's talk a little bit about the scribes and the Pharisees. I want you to know that the Pharisees had a religious system. Okay, They weren't in too much of a relationship with Jesus. They were about a religious system that was built around their attendance into the temple, that was built around these intricate rules and regulations. They were following precepts and traditions. It was a very professional religious movement, if you will. There was tremendous routine in it. But what they would do, they would go through all of this, but I want you to know at the end of the day, they still stunk. I mean, really, to have a righteousness like the Pharisees and the scribes would be like going to the gym and working out, which I hope maybe some of you did go to the gym after eating all that turkey and and all you did for Thanksgiving, go out and exercise. And Of course, after our big dinner, we let it settle a little bit, and we went a walk around the block and tried to walk off some of that turkey. Here's what I found. When you eat a lot of turkey and then kick back in the recliner, it makes your eyes go shut. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, it, regardless of what's on TV, when you eat turkey with gravy and sit in a recliner and watch football, it's just a matter of times your eyes just fall shut. That happens to me. So we had to get out of the recliner and go walk around a little bit and get a little bit of exercise. So if you go to the gym, I want to try to paint a picture of what the, the religious system was for these Pharisees. It, it's almost like us going to the gym and working out. I mean, we're working out, we're working out, we're doing all these routines and and we have these restrictions on us and and the resistance with the weights and and we're pushing and pumping and we're running and exercising. We're getting all hot and nasty and sweaty and sweat is dripping off of our chin. Our t-shirt is just drenched with sweat. You guys familiar with that? Nope, (laughs) some are not, some are, but but we're nasty, we're sweaty and all of a sudden you stop and you look at yourself and man, I am a mess. And you smell a little bit and you're like, oh, man, I stink. You ever been there? So, so really, and I'm trying to give you a word picture of a, the religious system of the Pharisees. Instead of going to the locker room and taking a shower and cleaning the stink off, we would just go to the locker room and change clothes and spray cologne on. Now, maybe some of you guys do that, right? Hopefully not. Hopefully you ladies don't do that. Instead of spraying the cologne or the perfume on, what we need to do is take a shower. We need to get cleaned, right? But, but whenever we just go after that stink of being all nasty and sweaty and smelly, and we just spray the cologne or the perfume on, I want you to know the cologne and the perfume is just a mask. Because underneath all of that, you're still nasty. Right? Underneath all that, man, you really do still stink. Right? So that's, a, to me, whenever I think about the religious system of the Pharisees and the scribes, that's kind of what I think about. Jesus looked at them and said, guys, you're still nasty. I mean, you're doing all these things on the outside, but you're filthy dirty on the inside. So I believe we could look at that verse in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, and we could come away, our takeaway, or my takeaway from that verse is this. That in Matthew 5.20, we see that true righteousness starts in the heart. And it changes a person from the inside out. Okay? So we saw in the previous verse 
That righteousness is something we pursue, we hunger and thirst after it. Whenever we hunger and thirst after it, we'll be filled. Jesus also said, as a result of living that type of a lifestyle, there will be some people that persecute you. But then he also said, true righteousness comes from within. It's just not spraying cologne on, which is church attendance and good works and maybe even baptism or or whatever religious activity you want to label. That's cologne and that's perfume. Jesus said, that's not going to clean you up, right? We've got to be cleaned up from the inside out. Are you guys with me today? Are you tracking with me? All right, let's go to another verse. Let's look down in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 21. Here we find Jesus using this word righteousness again. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Guys, may I just remind you, let's go back to the Pharisees and the scribes and, and kind of how they practice their religious system. Whenever they practice their religion, they did it very, very publicly. I mean, their intention was for everyone to see them and to get the praise of man. As a matter of fact, whenever they prayed, they prayed really loud, Right? They want everyone to hear their flowery prayer with these big, fancy, godly words, so to speak, and see how righteous of a person they were. But you remember the sinner that came and smote himself on the breast and would not even look up and said, God, forgive me, a sinner, when the publican came and prayed like that? That's the way we are to pray. But the Pharisees prayed very loud. They prayed often in public. They would dress up in their religious garbs. As a matter of fact, Scripture teaches us that Jesus pointed out that they would even enlarge their phylacteries. Now, what were the phylacteries? The phylacteries is what they would wear around their forehead or wear on their wrist and on their hand, and it held the Scripture, okay? It held a portion of the Scripture, and they would pull that out. But they would enlarge that on their head and on their hands just so you would know that they were a Pharisee that had the Scripture. Also, you go back and you study, you'll find that on the bottom of their garment, their robe, was a was a hem around there that identified them as, as a priest or, or, or a Pharisee. The Scripture teaches us that they would even enlarge that border. Why would they enlarge that border? They would enlarge the border on the hem of their garment so that you could notice them further away. So you didn't have to get really close. You would know who they were. They're the religious group of the day. You would identify them from a great distance. Even when they gave of their offering, okay, Um, they would give their offering with, with, with a handful of coins and they would drop their offering in a metal container and, and it would rattle so everybody could hear how much they would give their offering. My point is what they were doing, they were trying to do for the applause of man. They were getting the approval of man. Their whole religious system was built around the praise of man. I call it cotton candy religion, right? I mean, it's cotton candy religion. What do I mean by that? Have you ever seen cotton candy at the fairs or, or events and places you go? I mean, doesn't it look delicious? Doesn't it look amazing? See this big purple and pink or whatever color it is of this big stick of cotton candy? You think, man, I've just got to have some of that. And you go and you get some of it, and as soon as you get it and put it in your mouth, it does what? It dissolves. I mean, there's nothing there. Really, right? I mean, it looks beautiful, but when you grab it and put it in your mouth, it's gone. Guys, there's a lot of people, that's how their religion is. It looks good on the outside. 
That's how the Pharisees were. It looked good on the outside, but there was really no substance to it whatsoever. By contrast, true disciples of Jesus Christ seek a righteousness that's not concerned about being seen by others, but only by being seen of God. Right? So there Jesus is unpacking righteousness in that verse. Let's look at one, one more. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse number 33, once again, he's talking about righteousness. Now, you're very familiar with this passage, and we've quoted it often around here and, and talk about it often. But Jesus says in Matthew six thirty-three, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. This touches on the area of our priorities. What is the number one, two, three priority in our life? What are our priorities? What is it that you are seeking after in life? What is it that you are pursuing in life? And Jesus is saying, seek first me. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. So seeking his righteousness simply means letting his word The Word of God set the standard in our life, and that's what we are pursuing. So I think if we can grab those four passages of Scripture and we can put them together, here's what we get, okay? Whenever we're trying to define righteousness and we gather those four passages of Scripture that I just went over with you and we put them together and we're just trying to get our arms around what does it mean to pursue righteousness, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I believe we can, out of those four verses, we can come to this conclusion. I believe to hunger and thirst for righteousness means that that a truly we will live a Christian lifestyle. I mean, we will be pursuing a Christian lifestyle, not just on church on Sunday morning or at church on Sunday morning. Every day of our life, we're going to be pursuing this Christian lifestyle that changes us from the inside out so that we no longer seek the praise of men, but causes us to seek the approval of God above everything else in our life. That is what it means to pursue and to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. Now, let me say this. This kind of life is possible for every single one of us. Every single one of us can live right here. But we've got to hunger and thirst after it. It's got to be something we desire. It's got to become our appetite. Then it must become our intake. And then then it will become our outward actions and what we do, Right? We truly thirst after a Christian lifestyle. We want to do what's right, even, even in corporate America. Hello? Even in the military, and we got a lot of military, but you're, listen, you're not pursuing the next rank just to get the next rank. You're pursuing the next rank because you're living a Christian lifestyle and you want to influence more and more people for the cause of Christ, not just to get another dollar, not just to have more popularity, not just to climb the corporate ladder. Hello? Are you with me? So that you can have more of an impact for the cause of Christ. That's called a Christian lifestyle. That changes us from the inside out. Boy, there's got to be something that takes place within your heart. A hunger and a thirst for the things of God from the inside out. Not just, listen, not just giving lip service to something but something that you're passionate about, that is deep within. You're hungering from the inside out 
That you no longer seek the praise of men. Listen, that'll cause you... Listen, hold on, church. That will cause you to make some decisions in your life where you know that men and women and the community and people may disagree with you. But you know what? You put a sign on your soul and you said, I am not for sale. I am not going to make a decision just to gain the applause of man. I am going, as for me in my house, Joshua said, we will serve and live for the Lord. And that's the decision we've got to make. And we've got to stop. Listen, church, we've got to stop living our life in such a way that we are getting the applause of men. Hello? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about going out there and being hateful and contrary and having everybody hate you. I'm not talking about your attitude. I'm talking about what you're pursuing. Hello? Listen, listen, I really try to live my life for an audience of one, and that's the Lord. I want His approval. At the end of the day, I want to hear Jesus say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. That's on my mind every single day, and it impacts everything I do in life, every area of my life, wherever I have my hands or fingers or whatever I'm involved in. I think about, I'm doing this for the cause of Christ. I want to help the cause of Christ. I want it to come from within. I don't want to seek the praise of men. I want it to come from the inside out. I truly want to live this every single day of my life. Why? Because at the end of the day, I want God's approval. That's a good spot for an amen. Amen. Hello? That's what it means to pursue and to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. Mm. Let's look at the second thing. Not only the possibility of righteousness, but secondly, I want us to look at the power of hunger. Look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6 once again. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever really known hunger? Have we truly known hunger? Most of us really haven't. Most of us have never experienced, there may be an exception here, but most of us have never really experienced True hunger for food. I'm talking about physical hunger. You know, for me, hunger pops up in my life when my my wife says, dinner's ready, and then I get to the kitchen, and the table is set, the place mattings are set, the food is on the table, except for the rolls. They're still in the oven. And then I get there, and she says, it's going to be five more minutes before the rolls come out, before we can... I say, are you kidding me? You called me in here just to torture me for the next five minutes. I've got to sit here and I've got to smell this. I've got to look at this and I can't touch this until everybody's at the table, until the rolls get to five minutes. That's the extent of my hunger. Really, it is in my entire life. I was trying to think, have I ever really hungered after anything? I really have it as far as food is concerned. I really have it. That's kind of the extent of it. As a matter of fact... There have been times, I started thinking about this, and I thought about Tyler. There have been times when my wife will be in there preparing a meal, and she'll say, it's going to be about an hour before we're ready to eat. And Tyler will say, are you kidding me? And I've seen him get in his truck and go to McDonald's and go through the drive-thru and get something to eat there really quick and really fast so he could, so he could satisfy whatever that hunger is that was in him, and then come and eat at the table and sit down and eat with us an hour later. Right? 
So for some people, that's the extent of their hunger. It, it's, that, it's that thing that triggers you to make the decision to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and get a Big Mac and, and, and a large Diet Coke thinking that's going to satisfy everything and reduce the calories and everything's going to be okay, right? Most of us really have never experienced true hunger, which is why I think it's difficult for us to get our arms around this verse. To hunger and thirst. Okay, I'd like to have some of that. That's not hunger. Hello? I'd take it or leave it. That's not hunger. Are you tracking with me? Are you guys with me? Are you in or out? Just let me know. I just need to know who's listening. Right? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Few of us, if any, have ever experienced starvation. We've seen pictures of it on the TV. I've seen pictures of people in, around the world and even some, I guess, in America. But most of us had plenty to eat this Thanksgiving, did we not? I dare say there's probably not one in this building that really was hungry on Thanksgiving Day. Now, I'm not talking about after you eat and an hour later be hungry. That's not, I'm talking about being hungry and hungering after something. So our problem, listen, our problem... Our problem today isn't finding food to eat. Our problem today is getting the fat off after we eat it. Right? That's our problem today. So it's hard for us to get an idea. So I think that's why it's a major problem for this Beatitudes because we rarely hunger and thirst after anything. So therefore we miss the urgency of the words where Jesus said, hunger and thirst after righteousness. I found a verse of scripture in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 26 that I think may be helpful for us in understanding this hunger. He says in Proverbs sixteen twenty six that a, a worker's appetite works for him because his hunger urges him on. You see, hunger does have some benefits. You know what hunger would do? Hunger would cause you to continue when you want to quit. Right? Hunger would cause you to pursue something when you're just tired and exhausted and maybe don't want to pursue it. Hello? And that's what we find in this proverb. A worker's appetite, because he is hungry, it drives him to continue working, right? So he can put food on the table. Let me ask you this. I wonder for how many of us, would you do what you do on your job every single day if you didn't get paid for it? There may be some that do because there are some people that genuinely, truly love their jobs, okay? There may be some that do what they do without ever getting paid for it. But a majority of us would not. Right? Why? Because, listen, we're going to work so we can get paid. Why? So we can put food on the table. There you go. Good job, Danny. You're tracking with me here. So we can put food on the table. Why? Because we don't want to get hungry. So what is it that drives us to get out of bed every morning at 6 a.m.? What is it that drives us to go to work every day? It's really Proverbs 16, 26. A worker's appetite works for him because his hunger urges him urges him on. Well, I think today we really, for the most part, we in America, and especially, let me just say us in our church, and I know there are some hungry people even in America today, but I think the biggest problem for us is not physical malnutrition. I think the biggest problem for us is spiritual malnutrition. I think that's the biggest problem in America today, is that spiritually we are no longer hungering and thirsting after righteousness, or no longer hungering and thirsting after the things of God. Guys, ladies, let me tell you, see if you can relate with this one. You, you prepare a big meal, you put it on the table, and you lay it out before the whole family. 
the family comes to the table and let's say you have a, a 12-year-old son or 13-year-old son and he comes to the table and you know those boys are always hungry, right? And it's hard to ever get them completely filled up, right? You understand what I'm saying, moms? You, you've been there, done that, right? So they come to the table, they sit down, you've prepared a wonderful meal and they sit there and they don't eat anything. And you ask them, why aren't you eating? And they say, well, I'm not hungry. Well, why aren't they hungry? The truth is, they found the cookies about 30 minutes ago. And they've been eating cookies for the past 30 minutes. And they've been filling themselves with junk food. And now they're not hungry for the real food that's set before them. Guys, you know what? I think that is really what's been taking place in America today. I think spiritually speaking, we have been filling ourselves with junk food. That we're not really hungering and thirsting after the things of God, the real bread of life, the real meat of the Word. We're not hungering and thirsting after that because we have filled ourselves with junk food. Well, what is some of the junk food? Listen, the tragedy of our day, I believe, is that people are absolutely wasting their lives chasing after three things. Now, there's more, but I kind of narrowed it down to three. I believe there's three things that people are wasting their lives chasing. Money, sex, and power. And they're willing to sacrifice everything to get... You know what that's called? That's junk food. Hello? That will not sustain your happiness. That will not give you longevity of happiness. You may have happiness for a season. As a matter of fact, the Bible even tells you you will, right? It says that, that sin, there's joy in sin for a season, Right? So I'm amazed at what happens today when people are hungering after money. You know what they'll do? When people are hungering after money, they will sacrifice their families to get it. When people are hungering after sex, they will sacrifice their morals to get it. When people are hungering after power, they will sacrifice their friends to get it. Amen. And you know what it's called? It's called junk food. And you know why so many people are not hungry for the bread of life and the meat of the Word of God and the things that brings um, sustainability in your happiness? You know why folks aren't hungry for that? Because they filled their lives with junk food and it never really ever satisfies. And when they do get some of that, they find they've got to have more or they've got to wake up tomorrow and get more because it never really satisfies. And Jesus is saying hunger and thirst... After righteousness. Why is that? Because he gives us a promise. Number three, jot this one down. I'll be done. The promise of fulfillment. What is he promising us? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed for they will be filled. The question is filled with what? What am I going to be filled with? Am I going to be filled with food? No. Am I going to be filled with money? No. Am I going to be filled with a long life? No. Am I going to be filled with a promotion? Maybe if I, I seek after Jesus, I'll get a promotion. No, that's not what he's promising you that you're going to be filled with. Happiness? No. Matter of fact, earlier he said, whenever you hunger and thirst after righteousness and whenever you pursue righteousness, whenever you live a righteous life, there's going to be people that persecute you. Well, there's no happiness in that, right? So it's not happiness that we're going to be filled with. It's not a perfect family that we're going to be filled with. It's not a trouble-free life that we're going to be filled with. Well, what then are we going to be filled with? We're going to be filled with righteousness. Well, what is that? Righteousness, I believe, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You see, I realize that most of us are, are about as close to God as we want to be. Right? 
we've eaten enough off the table of God that that's kind of maybe all we want. But if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, then I believe that we can be filled with the presence of Christ in our life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And there's where genuine joy and happiness and love and, and peace and, and all of these things are. They're in the person of Christ. Listen, guys, we have about as much joy as we want. We have about as much peace as we want. We have about as much happiness as we want. We have about as much love as we want, right? We can have more, but we're kind of satisfied with where we are in life. Listen, for the most part, you are, get this, you are where you are right now because that's where you want to be. Let's just get to the truth of the matter. Every single one of us are as close to God as we really want to be, right? What we need to decide is today I want to hunger and thirst after something better than the things of this world. I want to hunger and thirst after the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you want a closer walk with God, you can have it. It's available to you. If you want to be in the center of his will, you can have it. It's available to you. If you want a Christian home and a Christian marriage, it's available. You can have it. Listen, if we want to grow spiritually, we can. If you want to become the man or woman of God that you've always dreamed of being, you can do that. Hello? Are you with me, church? It's how much are you hungering for it? How thirsty are you for it? If you want to change the deeply ingrained habits in your life that you know are destroying you, you can change them with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. But how hungry are you for those things? Listen, if you want to change the or break the destructive habits and behaviors in your life that you know are tearing you down, it can be changed. But you've got to want to do it, right? You've got to be hungry for righteousness. You've got to be hungry for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you once again, I think he just had it up on the screen. Anytime Jesus calls us, he is calling us to himself. In Matthew chapter 11, as I wrap this up in band, you can come. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse number 28, Jesus said this. He said, come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You need to mark that. In your Bibles, don't close your Bibles. I'm not done. I just want the band to get here so they're ready. Listen, I'm still preaching. Hang, hang with me here. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28. You need to highlight that verse. Jesus said, come unto the church. No, he never called us to come join the church. He said, come unto the baptism. No, he never called us to come and be baptized. Right? Now there's, there's, there's acts of obedience and there's things that we're to do after we're saved, but I'm talking about coming to Him. He said, come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Did He say, come and give your money? No. He said, come unto me. He said, and when you come unto me, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, He says, you will be filled. And what am I, what am I going to be filled with? I'm going to be filled with Jesus Christ Himself. Amen? When I am hungry, I can come and eat the bread of life. When I am thirsty, I can come and drink the water of life. When I am weary and heavy laden, I can come to Jesus and I can find rest. When I am guilty of my sins, I can come to Jesus and I can find forgiven, forgiveness. When I am far from God, I can come to Jesus and I can be like that prodigal and I can come back home. But the decision really is yours. This fourth beatitude... Jesus said, when you hunger 
and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. My question to you today is this. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you hungry for His righteousness? Do you really want to get closer to Him? Do you want to know more of His Word? Do you want to have that Christian home or that Christian lifestyle and that maybe you've seen and coveted in other families and you want that for yourself? It's available for you. It's available. But you've got to be hungry for it. Do you really want God to use you? He wants to use you. But you've got to be hungry for Him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. I tell you what, guys, there's nothing like being filled with Jesus. There's nothing like surrendering to everything in this world and putting Him number one in your life. I promise you, He will not disappoint you. Will people disappoint you? Oh, yeah. Everybody's going to let you down sooner or later. Don't put your hope and trust in people. They're going to disappoint you. And listen, I've been doing this a long time. I've been pastoring a church for nearly 25 years. I've seen a lot of stuff take place in church. You say, how do you continue? I don't keep my eyes on people. Does it hurt? Oh, yeah. But I don't do what I do for the praise of people. I don't live my life for the applaud of man. In Scripture, in the book of Hebrews, the Scripture says that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. The question is implied, Moses, how did you do it? How did you stand up against the most powerful ruler in the known world at that day, Pharaoh, and deliver God's people? I had my eyes on Jesus. I endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses, you, you delivered all those people. How, how did you provide for them? How did you provide a, a shelter for them by day so they didn't burn up in the heat of the sun? And how did you provide warmth for them at night so they didn't freeze out in the desert? Moses said, I kept my eyes on him who is invisible and I trusted him to provide. Moses, how did you, how did you provide water? So they all didn't die in the desert. I kept my eye on him who is invisible. And he provided water from a rock. Moses, they've got to have more than just water. How did you feed all those millions of people in the desert for all those years? How'd you do it, Moses? I kept my eyes on the Lord. And he rained down manna from heaven every day and fed our people. Moses, when the backstabbing started and the murmuring and the complaining started against you and they were trying to overthrow you and they got angry with you and people would not follow you and they would not be obedient to you and they, were, they would not speak to you and they were angry with you. Moses, how'd you endure? I kept my eye on Him who is invisible. I realize that people are going to do harmful things to me but I don't live for the applause of man I do what I do for an audience of one Moses 
How did you part the Red Sea? How did you do all these things? I kept my eye on him who is invisible. Church, let me tell you something. When you hunger and thirst after true righteousness, there's no guarantee you're going to live a perfect life of ease, health, wealth, prosperity. No one's going to turn against you. Matter of fact, Jesus said just the contrary in the same text I just read to you earlier. He said, when you live that way, there's going to be some that are going to persecute you. How do you endure that? I'm asking you, church, how do you endure that? You should be able to know the answer right now. How do you do that? By seeing, finish it for me, him who is, come on, talk to me, invisible. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Keep your eyes on the Lord. You'll not lose your joy. I've watched people lose their joy. You know what happened? They got their eyes off Jesus. They got their eyes on everything, circumstances. I've watched people lose their happiness. You know what happened? They got their eyes off Jesus. I've watched people fall out of church. You know what happened? They got their eyes off Jesus. And they got their eyes on people. We're told of Peter that started sinking as he was walking on the water. And don't beat Peter up too much. He's the only other human being outside of Jesus that walked on water. Hello? He stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water. And he began to sink. Why did he begin to sink? He took his eyes off Jesus. He started looking at his circumstances. You want to sink? Get your eyes off Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Hunger for him. Thirst for him. Strive for it every day. That should drive you into God's word every day. It should drive you. Your hunger and your thirst for God should drive you into his word. It should drive you into your prayer time. It should be a major factor in the decisions that you make on the job. It should drive you in the way that you lead your family. It should drive you in your finances. It'll change your life completely. But it starts with a hunger and with a thirst for righteousness. I go back to my opening statement where we talked about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And the nutritionists tell us that your appetite will determine your diet. Your diet will determine your intake. Your intake will determine your health. That's on the physical side. I really think it applies spiritually as well. Your appetite will determine your diet. What you hunger for will determine what you're going to place before you. If you're hungering for God, you're going to place His Word before you. If you're hungering for God, you're going to place value of time with Him before you. That's your diet. Then you're going to take that in. And it's going to change your life. As food does physically, God's Word will do the same thing spiritually. And next thing you know, you're living for God. You're in the center of His will. You've got joy that passes all understanding. You've got peace in the midst of persecution and trial and error. Man, let's hunger and thirst for God. Father, 
As we just wrap this thing up right now, I just pray that we would be a people that are hungry and thirsty for you. God, I pray that that if there's someone here that God, you fingered around in their heart. My prayer is right now that they would pray this prayer. They would pray, God, forgive me. I haven't been hungering for you. I haven't been thirsty for you. I found myself eating junk food, spiritually speaking. Things of this world I've looked at to try to bring happiness and joy and satisfaction in my life. God, I know the only way I'll have it is when I'm hungry and thirsty for you. And right now, God, I, I ask for your forgiveness. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would help me to seek you first in my life. Nothing wrong with having a successful career. Nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with some of these things. But when we pursue those things before we pursue you, God, it's sin. We ask you to forgive us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.